Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. This is the grand finale of our teaching series, Financial Stewardship. Have you been blessed? Not exactly the grand finale because I have one more very important teaching this Wednesday that you shouldn't miss. But as far as Sunday teachings would be concerned, this is grand finale. You see, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, Jesus speaks prophetically in an eschatological way. He says, when the Son of Man shall return in his glory, he shall sit upon the throne of glory. The holy angels with him. He says, and all the nations shall be gathered before him. And he said, he will separate them one from another, just the same way a shepherd separates sheep from goats. He says, he will tell the sheep to be on the right and the goats to be on the left. And to those on the right, he will say, Come, you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. He says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison. And you came to me. Listen, and these people who did all these things were flabbergasted by his statement, looked at him in amazement and said, when? When were you hungry? You, God, hungry? You have no needs. You know no lack. When were you hungry and I gave you food? Uh, listen, I'm flattered by this commendation, but I don't know what you're talking about. You own all things. Cattle on a thousand hills. When have you ever been hungry? You naked? No. You're clothed with glory and light. When have you ever been naked? We have never associated lack with your person. When? When have you ever needed shelter? I don't know of that. And you say, I took you in? I don't remember that. And then God looks at them and says, as surely as you did this to the least of my brethren, you've done this to me. Listen, this is a brief recap, just so you understand. The teaching, once again, is financial stewardship. And you see, you have to understand that God takes your financial decisions personal. And maybe you never really saw the connection between how you spend your money and how you treat money with the things of the Spirit. But Jesus will have you understand, even if it's unintentional, even if you even make the right choices without knowing on that day, he will help you realize it was personal. And every time you gave a hungry person food, you gave me food. And every time you clothed a naked person, you gave me clothes. And every time you gave someone shelter, you did it to me. As surely as you did it to the least of my brethren, you've done this to me. Listen, every one of you who loves Jesus in truth. This is something you must realize. God takes it personal. Listen, we are privileged to have what we call AOC in preparations for exams. Area of consecration. Concentration. You see, God is going to judge at the end of the day and he's telling you some of the things he's going to say. And he will have you realize that even if that money in your pocket is your hard-end money, 
He's watching to see. He expects you. In your spending, in your saving, in your giving, to show honor for him and love for humanity. It's important. I can give you a smorgasbord of scriptures reemphasizing and rebuttressing this point. You know, he tells the Jews, especially under the Judaic system of giving, he says, you've robbed me. The same thing. How can anyone have the audacity to carry a gun against God? You know, it's ridiculous. You've robbed me, they say. He said, Malachi chapter 3. And then you say, when have we robbed you? And he says, oh, yeah, you've robbed me in your tithe. You know, and even if we can go on talking about tithing and if it's an ordinance, what I'm trying to explain to you is the mentality here. If under the Old Testament precepts, you were expected to tithe as a Jew, and God says, not that you robbed the church, but that you robbed me, what I'm just trying to help you see is financial stewardship. God takes your financial habits as a demonstration of your love and honor for him. It's very important so that on that day you won't be surprised and say, when? This is, this is spiritual intelligence. Oh, it matters to God. <laughs> Note the person by your side says, it matters to God. Money is a spiritual matter. And every time you receive it or you spend it, you are taking a test. Because money reveals what you prioritize and what you love. <laughs> Jesus says, for where a man's treasure is, there also is his what? So I don't need to tell you what you like and what you value. I just need to see where your money goes. It doesn't matter how many nice worship songs you sing. What you are ready to spend on is what you love. And that's why, listen, it's just simple economics. Some things are a priority to you, and some things are not. The reason is this, resources are limited. Even if you earn 10 million naira monthly, your resources are limited. Come on, are you with me? And that means invariably, by your spending, you show priority. And by your priority, we can tell what you love and what you honor. And that's why one cheap way, God can really test people. And where their heart is, is their expenditure. And so Randy Alcon said, money is a spiritual stethoscope. You know that thing that doctors use that children are fascinated about? It always fascinated me as a child. You know, when they put it in their ears and then they're checking, putting it, you know, on your chest. I'm, I'm always wondering, what are they listening to? What does it sound like? You know, and all those things. Money is a spiritual stethoscope. We can tell the state of your heart with your money by the way you spend money. Come on, are you with me? And so what is... What do we mean by financial stewardship? This is very important. I want you to take this down. We mean that God expects you to manage your money in a way that shows honor for him and love for humanity. I missed something, so I'll reorder it. God expects you to manage your money in a way that shows honor for him, care for yourself, and love for humanity. Listen, these three are very important. Some people are under the false impression that the only thing God cares about is that you give to church. Nothing can be farther from the truth than that. Listen, so if you have money and you give 98% of it to church every month, you are not honoring God. Because this is what God says. Anyway, it depends on you. Some people, the remaining 2% can do a lot, child, but. 
I have to be careful with these things. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you get a general idea, right? God says, anyone who cannot cater for his own household is worse than an infidel. It doesn't matter how regular you are in your giving to church. If you don't pay your children's school fees, take care of your family, take care of your spouse, give to your, your parents. It says you are acting like an unbeliever. You're acting like you don't know God. So financial stewardship is a balanced system that encapsulates five things. Number one, self-care. Can you say self-care? Number two, generosity. You know, and some people, all they think of when they think of financial stewardship is generosity. And it's just one out of five. Self-care. Number two, generosity. Number three, savings. If you spend all that you make, even if you spend it giving to the church, you are not honoring God. Did you hear what I said? Anyway, we are coming. That's why we're here, aren't we? Isn't it? Number four, investment. And number five, missions. Self-care. Listen, a lot of Christians need to know this one. It took me a while to learn it myself. In fact, I'll be honest, I'm still learning it. I don't want to talk about that too much. You know, but God has rebuked me about this so many times. But um, there are some people, if I explain it, they will use this word against me in future. You know, so I'm just going to move on from that. <laughs> First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. You know, I read this years ago and it changed my life. It says, command those who are rich in this present world, 1 Timothy 6, 6 17, not to be arrogant or put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides everything for our enjoyment. Say with me, say God richly provides everything for enjoyment. You know, a lot of people think oh, all God wants is for you to give. But God wants you to enjoy yourself. <laughs> He's, he's not averse to you looking good, smelling good for God's sake. He has no problem with that. He wants it. In fact, he says, I wish above all things that you prosper and that you're in good health as your soul prospers. So listen, your soul prosperity remains the priority, but God wants this also. And many of us actually sin. By refusing to cater for ourselves. Let me tell you something. I've said this time and again. There is an ungodly culture of work that a child of God must be weary against. Let me tell you this. When you think about the Old Testament ordinance of Sabbath, apart from the fact that it prefigured the rest that we have in Christ, it was also a pragmatic idea a way of God preserving his people, telling them, listen, even though you are supposed to expend your energy in industry, there is a line you shouldn't cross. Six, six days of work is enough. Take one day to rest. Even your animals must rest. And what I like about God is this. When we look at his rules, his instructions, and then we come to Science, many times science proves or rebuttresses the wisdom of God. Do you know according to Jewish law, when you farm on a particular land for many years, there is a particular year you must leave it fallow. And you know in agriculture, it's a thing. It helps the, the soil to recover. And that's how your body is. Your body is like a vehicle. All vehicles have what is called mileage. And so, 
A car that is newer than another car can have a higher mileage because there is a way you are using this car. And you have to understand, no matter what, no matter the grace on the car, <laughs> huh? cars have a lifespan. There is a reason you have an eternal body. It's not this one. This one has mileage. So you have to be smart. You know what many people do? They damage their body to make money. Then they use the money that they made to repair the body. Be smart. Self-care. Self-care. And I know some of you will use this sermon against me, but even though regardless of us, I'm just seeing some people. Don't worry. <laughs> you know. So... The next time I want to say, I know some people are looking at me like, so, some things like holiday. <laughs> Excuse me. Be very careful in this church. <laughs> hallelujah. But seriously, hallelujah. God wants that for you. Rest. Plan for it. Put, that, put it as part of your plan. Say loud, amen. amen. All right, number two. Generosity. Every month, have a budget for giving. Make it part of your culture. You must have a budget for self-care. You must have a budget for giving. You must have a budget for giving. Oh, dear Lord Jesus. Let me say this, and many people don't know this. In the Old Testament, there were three types of tithe. How many types? You know, we emphasize just one for some reason. I, I think I know why. That was the most recurrent of all the tithes. That was the most regular. You did that regularly. And that was the tithe that was given to the Levitical priests. You did that regularly. But there were two other types. There was a tithe for the poor. It happened every three years. So every three years, after you have brought a tenth, you know, for the Levitical priest, you take aside another tenth for the poor. And I'm saying this because in God's generosity system, he didn't plan only for the church. That's what you need to know. So you must have a conscious budget. I want to appeal to you for the health of your heart. As you continue to rise in your career, please make sure that there are people you are helping. Make sure. Let me tell you something. Apart from kingdom principle, it is even common sense. Do you know the reason why people were rich yesterday and poor today. Because when they were rich, they helped no one. Listen to me. It doesn't matter how secure you think you are in your finances. Let me tell you something. Life happens. Stuff happens. The nature of money is this. It can develop wings and fly away. That's a fact. There are people who are smarter with money than you are. Who just made one wrong financial choice and they lost a lot part of your security for the future will be people you have helped Can, are you listening to me listen you know that popular text we used to quote we've not understood it properly in luke chapter 6 verse 38 what does it say give and it shall be given to you right good measure press down shaking together shall who men not god he wasn't giving you a spiritual principle. He was giving you common sense, golden rule. Do unto others what you want them to do to you. He's telling you, if you do this to others, they will do to you. There are some things you won't learn in a business school. If you have invested in friendships, that's a financial plan. Some of you don't understand. That's a financial plan. I've seen it many times. A group of six. 
when five of them buy cars, even if the sixth person is not doing well, they can contribute money and buy. Haven't you heard of things like that? A man's gift makes way for him. Some of you talked, that gift was talking about talent. No. <laughs> it's talking about financial gifts. Please, are you listening to me? But even then, listen, I think the purpose of generosity is defeated when you are doing this so that people will do it to you. There is God who rewards. As unto the Lord, have a budget for generosity. It is part of your consecration. Don't forget, God said, if you did it for the least of the brethren, you've done it to me. Generosity. What's number one? What's number two? Number three, savings. Savings. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 20. Oh my God, I wish I had more time to talk about this. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 20. Are you there? Read together. One, two, go. Read it again. One, two, go. There is a desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. If you don't save, there is a biblical theological description <laughs> for people like you. What is it? Uh, I, I didn't see it. It's right there in the word of God. Foolish. And so it's, it's a discipline. Come on, are you with me? You, you must have savings. Must. 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 Oh, God. Many Christians don't understand this. Let me say this to you. If it was many Christians who had a dream that showed that there would be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine, do you know how they will respond? They say, Father, I reject the famine. It won't happen. It's not our portion. Listen, there are some things, oh my God, that you are not supposed to pray about, you are supposed to plan about. So listen, the word of wisdom in that situation will be, save! Don't pray, save! Don't rebuke the famine in the name of Jesus. It's not my portion. What type of dream is this? Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus. Anything that says it will be good today and hard tomorrow. <laughs> Do you know, that's how, ah, are you ready for what I'm about to say next? Let me tell you something. Sometimes spiritual gifts are just the mercy of God. Are you aware that a prudent man does not need a supernatural vision to plan for famine? If you have a standard structure of savings, whether God reveals it to you or not, you'll be prepared. Any nation that cannot survive seven years of hardship was a foolish nation. <laughs> Listen. I don't know why you're laughing. I don't know why you're laughing. Are you getting what I'm saying? The reason I'm saying this is this. Sometimes our emphasis on spiritual gifts has made us irresponsible. And God won't always tell you what is going to happen in the next 14 years. Plan for it. Are you listening to this? Plan for it. So you must have savings, then you must have emergency funds because there's a difference between savings and emergency. 
You don't, you don't plan for COVID except the Lord tells you. So, seven years of famine, that's an anomaly. But you are still supposed to be ready for it. I know you have strong grace on your life. I know you have supernatural edge, supernatural advantage. But if that job that you are depending on should be taken from you, and in three months you are suffering, you have not been wise. More often than not, you have not been wise. Are you listening to me? This is, these are things that you must know. It doesn't, whether you are prayerful or not, listen, you know what the Bible says? Proverbs chapter 22, verse 2. It says, the rich and the poor meet together. God is the father of them all. Whether you, you do this or not, you make heaven if you believe in Jesus, but you will suffer. <laughs> no be swear. It, it, it is what it is. <laughs> if, if, you don't, if you don't listen to this, Savings. You must have savings. Must. Lock it somewhere. An account that has no ATM card. <laughs> Come on, are you with me? Use your laziness to your advantage. The fact that you know, ah, it will take a lot for me to go to this bank. You know, use a bank that has few branches. Maybe microfinance. <laughs> Why are it there? So that you know that if I want to go and carry my I must be determined. <laughs> Hallelujah. Please, what is number one? What is number two? What's number three? Number four, investments. Savings is a good start, but it's not enough. You save so that you can invest. You save so that when you have opportunities, you'll be in a position to take advantage of them. Has it ever happened? You heard of an opportunity, but you didn't have the capital to pay, take advantage of that. That's not financial stewardship. You know this Kairos we keep talking about? Kairos must meet you prepared. It must. It must. Because at the end of the day, if you have one talent and you dig the floor and put it there, God is still not happy. You know the parable of the talents? At the end of the day, as a good servant, God expects you to multiply, not just save, multiply your resources. Multiply. And number five, of course, is missions. We talk about this all the time. Putting your money where your faith is. Sponsoring a divine agenda. Partnering with your local church. You must be big on this one as well. And in all these things, the Lord is honored. Amen, somebody. Amen. You know who else takes your financial decisions personal? Satan. Oh, God. Let me tell you this. If you have not mastered money, the devil is not afraid of your spiritual progress. He's not. I said this in passing last week. The Bible says the love of money is the root of what? All evil. It doesn't matter what you have handled, what you have kept at bay in your walk with God. As long as love of money is there, the devil has a way to branch everything out. So if you cut a tree, but you don't cut it from its roots, you look at the soil and you don't see anything. But a lot is still alive and well there at the scent of water. Just the wrong temptation, the wrong opportunity. When he traps you and catches you, listen, 
The devil is a spirit, so he doesn't change. And because he doesn't change, he's predictable. Go and study the Bible. There are tests he will take everyone through. Either the test of Job or the test of Solomon. But both are money tests. Two out of the three temptations Jesus faced had to do with resources. Survival or significance? One of them. Job or Solomon? Survivor. Because his pattern of thinking hasn't changed. Ah, He says, it's because there is an edge around him. That's why he's praising God. That's the way he thinks. That's, the way, that's why he's singing. Even if Job passed the test, he said that because he has done it for many people and it worked. Ah, this one that is singing, that's what the devil thinks. Just remove this job and see. that car away and see. You've been fasting 40 days, 40 nights. You are vulnerable and hungry. And you know it's harder if you are the son of God. If you are a natural man, at least the fact that you have to trek to KFC to buy food, you know, <laughs> might give you the discipline to stay. But when throughout the fasting, every stone around can be food. Is a totally different temptation. <laughs> Are you with me? Everything around can turn to food. It's just like saying today, you should be fasting in a very good kitchen. That they are cooking all your favorite dishes throughout. And you are supposed to pray there. <laughs> and so, the devil now comes. If you are the son of God, turn this stone to bread. Cut corners. See, for, for survival, do you know how many people struggle with this? At that time, you are just struggling to survive. You live in a country like Nigeria. Options are limited. You are not lazy. You are hardworking. You have tried. You have applied. You have walked the streets of Lagos. No opportunity. Then you see people who are not as smart as you are. They are changing cars. You know what they are doing. And at any point in time, you can change your mind. Now, listen. The plans of the devil are the same. Okay. I touched Job's resources. And his conviction didn't change. Let me touch his family. So now you were holding on to your confession, confession and conviction. Now a relative is sick, needs money for treatment. The same rich, arrogant, and stupid people that were trying to get your back on their bed for in exchange for money that you never even considered, all of a sudden, their proposal will now become strong in your mind. Listen, I'm telling you how the devil operates. Same strategy. And now you, you, you can't even understand why you are even considering this. Let me tell you this. In Matthew chapter 13, one text that I've been quoting a lot lately, the parable of the sower reveals a lot. And of the many things it reveals, it reveals that the devil has a twin we don't talk about. An identical twin that acts like the devil, functions like the devil, and many times is more effective than the devil. So in that parable, the Bible tells us that the seed is what? The word of God. So like preaching, like you're hearing now. And then the places that the seed falls is the heart of men. And so if a preaching falls by the wayside, you don't understand it, the devil comes and steals it. But if it falls in your heart, the devil has no access to your heart, but there is something that has access to your heart. In that heart of yours, there may be thorns. And he says, 
Even if the devil has no access to steal that word, the thorns can choke that word. See, so the thorns and the devil have the same goal, to make the word of God of none effect in your heart. And what does the thorn represent? The deceitfulness of riches. After you have heard a good word, you believe, you are excited, then tomorrow you are faced with the reality that you don't have a job to return to. And you have family to feed. This is how the devil tempts people. And if you are not careful, it will choke the word. You are a talented musician. Unfortunately, the church has little or no structure. We are still even arguing if instrumentally should be paid. And then the world has all the structure you can imagine. You say, no, no big deal. Do your thing. Just allow a few ladies dance around unclad. Are these real issues or not? Don't play. Oh. <laughs> Don't play. Money. Your conviction will be shifting gradually. Gradually. Until you are a shadow of yourself. You're wondering, how in the world did I get here? How did I end up with this person? How? You know how many well-meaning people have been stopped on their tracks? They want to do things for God they cannot do. Because of money or the lack thereof. It's a real issue. You must now be aware. The devil, even if you are not at the survival phase, there is a significant phase. Look at all the glories of the world. Just bow now. You don't need to go through the hard work. Go through the cross. I want to save you the time. Bow now. I will give it to you. Ha! Do you know? <laughs> First and foremost, you know, I've said it jokingly, seriously. There is a mountain like that today. A mountain on, on which or from which you can see all the glories of the world. The mountain is the internet. You were satisfied before until you had data. Then you saw that long lost friend in primary school that you were always competing against. She's doing well. She's driving this type of car. Now you have lost your peace, lost your sleep, monitoring everybody, including your exes. <laughs> you pretend not to care. You're just swiping. I just smile. <laughs> you are in competition. And that's how the devil catches you. Competition. You were okay until the person next door bought that car, bought that house. Now, the proposal of Satan looks so attractive. You have to do something now, now, now. And when you are desperate, you lose your hold of discernment. That's how we catch these people. This is so important. And so it doesn't matter how much spiritual growth you have attained. If you've not mastered what I'm telling you, the devil still has a hold of you. And so Paul, of all the things he taught, taught generosity, taught, you know, attitude to money. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, in verse 7, he says, but since you excel in everything, 2 Corinthians 8, 7. But as you are bound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in love for us, see that you are bound in this grace also. What grace was he talking about? Generosity, your attitude to money. You must, this is an avenue for spiritual growth, an aspect of spiritual growth. It's an exam you must pass. Please, are you with me? So now, and you pass these exams in two major ways. Oh my God. The problem with, this, with the body of Christ is many times we latch onto one and despise the other. And we, 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 we will not get the job done without the two of them. The first is contentment. Please, what did I call it? Let me tell you this. Before any church tells you about God's willingness to bless you, they must first 
teach and hammer down the mentality of contentment. Any teaching on financial prosperity that does not start with this is out of balance. Will lead you to trouble. There are some people who shouldn't be hearing that God wants to bless them. They are not ready for that yet. Jesus' overarching priority is this. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? So there, there are still bigger priorities than money. Please hear what I'm saying. Are you listening to me? And if you don't hear what I'm saying, you will discover very soon, but it might be too late. Because like Judas, you have been stealing from the boss. No one caught you. Then you graduate. You have a bigger plan. Let me betray the son of God. And now you've betrayed him. They've given you the money. Your conscience is biting you. Eventually, see eh? You now realize the hard way that there are things more important than money. You carry the money. You throw it back. I don't want again, but it's too late. They say, no, take your money. It's your money. May you not make money that you are unhappy to spend. Yes. Please say amen well. Yes. And now you've lost your peace. When Judas was broke, he never thought of suicide. This is, this is the lie of the devil to tell you, oh, if I just had this money, if I just had this car, if I just lived in this house, I will be happy. It's a lie. It's a lie. And some of these things can end your life. They can. So you have to start putting those limits. And know how far is too far. There are some things that they will bring up in your office. And they say you must do this. You, you must be ready to resign. Then do some things. Please, are you listening to me, God's people? Uh-huh. So as much as God wants you to be comfortable, to be blessed, there are some things you should never be found doing. And you take that difficult route with integrity. It's okay. It's, on, it's okay. Make no mistake. The people who are compromising, their life may be advancing before your eyes. Their life may be changing. But they are okay. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he possesses. Luke chapter 12 verse 15. See, there are some things that must be ingrained on your consciousness. It is not everybody that has more money than me that I envy. Are you getting me? In fact, there are some I feel pity for. I feel sorry for. My life does not consist in the abundance of things that I possess. Everybody say that. Say my life does not consist in the abundance of things that I possess. Social media is lying to you. There must be more to you than the clothes you wear, the cars you drive. Your life must be deeper than that. It will save you from unnecessary competition. Because you know, now we want to keep up appearances. We want to rub shoulders with everyone. We want, we, we want that life so much. Some people are benefiting from five generations of wealth. Your father was the first in his own family to go to school. Hustled so much, sent you to a good school. Now you are in school with people who are coming off 10 generations of wealth. You want to compete with them. Some of you will even be so ungrateful to begin to have a lack of appreciation for your parents. In your mind, ah, if they just hustle more, I will, I will have more. 
This is how the devil makes people horrible. Please, are you listening to this? This is very important. How many of you know this is very important? So listen, if you don't learn this one, it doesn't, the devil can still catch you. I've said this before. If you love money, there's no evil thing you cannot do. <laughs> if you love money, there is no evil thing you cannot do. Occasion just needs to present itself and push you to the wall well. That love of money will make you a murderer, will make you a thief, will make you a lot of horrible things. Say one more time, say my life does not consist in the abundance of things that I possess. Say there is more to my life than the car that I drive. There is more to my life than where I live. There is more to my life than what I wear. Uh-huh. Very important. But the second thing that you must do and that you must have apart from contentment is selfless ambition. You see, oh my God. And I've said that many people in the body of Christ are on either extremes. There are some people, they have not learned contentment, but they are, they, are, they, are, they are emphasizing things like, you know, massive wealth transfer, you know, and all these things in the church that is just aiding their covetousness with a sprinkle of religion, covering it up with religion. God wants me to prosper. You are covetous. And you must deal with that first. Please, are you listening to me? And this is why we have a lot of people who are committed in church, but our character hasn't changed. Just touch their money first. Let it be money. You will see their behavior. You are wondering, Christians you can't do business with. They will swindle you sweets. And you are wondering. Some, you will render service to them. They won't pay no conscience. And they, they are walking around, you know, maybe even still going to church, doing all those things. They may be flexing self. Hallelujah. Then there is another extreme of people. Many times we go into extreme trying to correct one extreme. Another extreme, contentment. Take the whole world. And give me Jesus. And the devil says, ah, nice one. I like that. And so he gives all his children the kingdoms of the world. And rem remember what I started with. Now you are excelling in devotion, prayer, and all of that. Then he puts thorns in your heart. And your boss every day will tempt you to deny your God. Please don't joke about this. Selfless ambition. You see, one story that properly balances both is the story of the young rich ruler. He comes to Jesus, and Jesus says, sell all you have, give arms, and follow me. Now, that was a test to reveal something that was deficient in his life. As a Christian, there must be some things that are more important than money. Are you with me? And that's what Jesus wanted to reveal and expose about that guy. The fact that he had no boundaries. Money was God in his heart. Money was God. Jesus never told anyone to do that. I believe Jesus didn't want him to do that. He did that to reveal what was lacking in his heart. He had idolized money. Idolized money. And so he walked away. Oh my God. And Jesus said something. He said, Ah, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom. Let me tell you something. And this is this is any teaching on finances that does not tell you the two things is not balanced. First and foremost, you need to be told it is hard. This money that you are praying about and pursuing can change you. It can change you. You must beware. 
don't be presumptuous. Don't say, ah, you know, I will handle it. <laughs> if you have not consciously worked on it, money will drown you. I'm telling you. You know, you know I say this jokingly seriously. It doesn't matter how fantastic the person you are dating is. You don't know if he's a good spouse if he has not passed the money test. There are two things that reveal character. I talked about it earlier. Survival and significance. When someone is very hungry, that's when you will know if it was truly love that he was feeling. <laughs> you know, go and study history well. Some couples that were lovebirds, you know, when Ashok and Ashok be everywhere, the same color, up to down. One lost his job. Haven't you seen men that all of a sudden they catch a revelation that their wife is the source of their problem? They even say their wife is a witch. Because they are broke. That's why you, you are so frustrated, you begin to transfer aggression. You are the source of my problem. Some of you have seen this script play out many times. Am I lying? Some is the opposite. It's not hardship. It's abundance. You were all okay. Then one of you is now blue. Respectfully, it works vice versa. <laughs> when a woman blows, that's when our conviction on submission will be tested. Hallelujah. Come on, are you with me? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Money multiplies temptations. You are a young man. You were not really privileged physically. Nobody disturbed you in school. You are not the type of guy that girls used to disturb, you know. Then you have money. You just become attractive. <laughs> and you're looking at yourself. You say, ah, I'm now fine. It's not, you're not fine, sir. It's, it's money. <laughs> it's money. Now, all of a sudden, and do you know what it means? To someone in your heart wish... You had this attention, you know, that the life of the party in your classroom has. And all of a sudden, you have it. And now that childlike tendency to explore. Ah, so you mean, I have something. If you have not rehearsed for it, you'll be in trouble. I'm telling you, you need to know about what I'm saying. But at the same time, if you now say, because of that, I'm going to hide in the nooks and crannies of the church and allow the world do their thing. Take the whole world and give us Jesus. The people who take the world might take your Jesus if you're not careful. And even if you keep your conviction and you make heaven successfully, you have still failed because the goal was not just to make heaven. It was to take as many people as possible with you. And the problem is, anyone who controls the economy controls the conviction of the, of the populace. And so he says, pray for kings. He says, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. Anyway, back to the story of the young rich ruler. When he was going and Jesus shook his head and said, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom. He says, it is even easier for a camel to enter the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom. <laughs> and then the disciples were worried. They said, who then can be saved? Now, this is the balance. Jesus says, with men, it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Let me tell you this. I believe in the miracle of change desires, that God can bestow resources to dead men. Men who, I mean, if they are large and their spirit is so elastic, if you throw one million dollars into settle, their character won't change. Are you with me? If you throw ten million dollars into settle, their character won't change. If you throw ten billion dollars into settle, their character won't change. God has so enlarged your heart, you are so dead to the impulses of the world 
that now he can now trust you for his kingdom agenda. The Proverbs call it durable riches and righteousness. You became so wealthy, your life didn't change. At the end of the day, there are still many wealthy people in God. And so when you are reading the story of the rich man and Lazarus, don't for a second think that the rich man did not believe in God because he was rich. Because when he went to, quote and unquote, you know, Hades, he saw Abraham. Abraham. And the place was called Abraham's bosom. So Abraham had durable riches and righteousness. He had money and he had God. It's possible. Come on, are you with me? Listen, by the power of God, by the circumcision of, his, of the spirit, a camel can enter the eye of a needle. I've entered. I'm telling you. I've entered. It's possible. Jesus said with men it's impossible but not with God. You can have money and have sense. It's possible. You can have money and have character. It's possible. You can have money. And when it's time to worship, oh my God, people begin to realize that there is more to you than your resources. That you love this God. I mean, like Zacchaeus. When you hear Jesus is coming, you can carry your expensive cloth, climb a tree just to see Jesus. It has not affected your commitment in church. I've heard stories of billionaires who are still serving as ushers in church. Who are still sweeping the house of God. What a life. That's true riches. That's true wealth. That's true greatness. If money changes you, you are small. You are small. You are small. And we can do a lot more for God. For the kingdom. There's a lot more we can do. If God walks on your heart. And then repurposes the money in your hand. We can do a lot more for God. Apart from praying, let me tell you something. Even there are some revelations you will never receive if you are not in the position to do anything about it. God will bypass every child of God and show Pharaoh what will happen to the economy in the next 14 years because Pharaoh is in a position to do something. Are you listening to me? Haven't you wondered how come this dream, this vision, I know they see and Pharaoh see. <laughs> Are you with me? Because let me tell you something. Strategic positioning is very important. God will use Cyrus to execute his plan. This is important. So God can position me strategically where I realize even as Esther I'm not just here because of my beauty every opportunity in my life God gave me that opportunity so that I can be a blessing to his kingdom I am here for such a time as this I'm not just here to take fancy pictures and to prove that I'm better than others because I'm not God what will you have me do with the resources I have how can I sponsor the advancement of your kingdom That's what God is going to use us to do. Say amen if you believe. Amen. Come on, say amen if you believe. Amen. And when you position yourself like this, oh my God, you begin to see miracles. Even if you are Joseph in prison, not for long. Are you listening to me? I said not for long. The integrity of God is committed to putting people with the right hearts in the right positions. Right heart, right positions. Say that with me prophetically. Say right heart, right position. Right heart, right position. Uh -huh. See, even if you have a ministry, if you don't have the right platform, ah, the Bible says even the wisdom of a poor man is despised. Sometimes 
I look at the expenditure. I may just to buy decent equipment. I'm not talking about things you buy to be ostentatious. Just good equipment. And I look at the price. And I'm just like, God. <laughs> Let me say this. If you see anybody who has a great church, whether it's a false teacher or not, respect the person. <laughs> I'm telling you. Respect the person. It's not easy. The false teachers, God will judge them or thunder will fire them or but that notion that is so cheap, any idiot can just carry microphone and is a lie. Don't make it easy. You say some are using jazz. Do you know what it means to master jazz? Do you know the kind of dedication it takes? The kind of rubbish you will swallow. Sometimes I'm just like when they say. It's the excreta of ah. <laughs> just pray now. <laughs> just, just, just pray. Don't follow God now. Do you understand what I'm saying? Listen, God is looking for people to empower. The problem is the hearts of some people are not ready. If He gives you that money, we won't see you in church again. That will be the last time. There are some of you, there are some alas that will enter your phone now. Bam! I will just call you, ah, where have you been? Uh, you know, the first thing that will happen is your voice will crack. Uh, I've been so, actually, I've been so busy, you know. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've seen visions of the future, prophetic visions. This church is going to be so great. And there will be two things that will mark the greatness of this church. We will all love Jesus so much that no matter our status, both rich and poor will raise their hands and worship Jesus without strife, without competition, without any such thing. That, listen, mark my words, we're going to have very influential people in this church. And you will not be able to tell who they are by their worship. Because they will cry like everyone else. And pray like everyone else. And roll on the floor. Casting down golden crowns. Saying, God, I might be something in the office, but I'm nothing before you. What do I have that you didn't give me? All I am, you made me to be. All I have, you gave me. That's true greatness. True greatness. Baby in God's hands, giant in the world. Giant in the world. Because when I bow before the king, I'm taller than everyone else. I'm bowing. Ah, that's the highest place. Come on, are you ready for that? Stand to your feet. God, by his wisdom, he's giving you the exposure He's giving you the wisdom. Listen, there are some of you, you're on the wrong path. <laughs> some people just need wisdom. Some people need foresight, both prophetic and common sense foresight. Now, a report came out days ago. The government has vowed to stop the use of kerosene in about 10 years. If that's your business, you, <laughs> you better have a plan. What do you do? I sell kerosene. Nobody uses it to cook. At least not like before. Are you with me? But here is this. There is a supernatural advantage whereby exposure by Kairos, you know, you just find yourself in a position to learn what you need to learn for the future. Do you believe that? God can do that for you. And you know what God is going to do as we pray right now? The vehicle that will take you to where God will have you be, to be positioned for what God will have you do, he's about to reveal it to you. For some of you, he might tell you, you're going to have to go to school again. 
For some of you, you are going to have to, you are going to have to, you know, develop this skill, you know, or build these relationships. But He's going to reveal it to you. I am prophesying in the next six months. Everyone here will at least have discovered what they are they ought to be doing for the next fifteen years. Say amen like you believe. And wrong ventures will be exposed. Thank you, Father. Just begin to speak in tongues right now. Speak in tongues right now. Speak in tongues. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809 996 7000. Blessings.